the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. From Talk 910 KNEW San Francisco, this is Rob Black. Rob talks about your money every weekday, live and local, from 10 to noon. Enjoy the show. Live from the Bay Area, your money, your life. This is Rob Black. It's the Rob Black Show. I'm Rob Black, starting as I'm always starting right here, right around the 10 o'clock hour. You're listening to 910 AM. It's 910 AM. Write it down. There's some graffiti on your car. It says 910 AM, so you'll always remember what station to listen to. It's a call-in show. It's 800-345-5639. It's 800-345-5639 to get your calls on the air. Anything financial. Anything. It can be, how do I fund my 401k? It could be how much money do I need to retire? It could be what stock is better than another stock? It could be do you invest in technology and aggressive stocks or do you invest in bonds and safe utility stocks? Yesterday, for instance, we talked a little bit about utility stocks and how they look attractive at this point in time. In the show today, I'm going to cover all sorts of content. I'm going to go over some of the top business stories of the day. I'm going to go over a stock idea or two. I'm going to go over a little Prince Harry. I'm going to go over a little Patrick Swayze. I'm going to talk about the, the executive at Wells Fargo, who's a vice president, who partied like a rock star in a foreclosed home. Shame she got caught, but it's a good story. Tech Talk today got a little bit on Apple TV. What is Apple TV? You kind of know about it. You've heard about it, but no one's buying it. Why is that? Why is the iPhone so wildly successful? The iPod so wildly successful? And then the ITV, the Apple TV, not so much. Going to go over some new Roth rollover rules if I get to it today. I'm going to look at the numbers in details and, of course, emails. So don't be shy today. 800-345-5639. It's 800-345-5639. In about 20, 25 minutes, I'll have certified financial planner Chad Burton on to go over some of the issues in the financial planning world. First and foremost, let's talk a little bit about what's happening on Wall Street today. Retail sales. Now, you know we're in a recession, and typically a recession means people lose jobs and we don't buy things. So we're paying attention to the retail sales numbers. First and foremost, you can see the market is up today. So whatever happened in the retail sales numbers, it didn't really quite upset us. Cash for clunkers, stimulus planet boosted retail sales in August. Auto sales increased 10% in the month of August. That's pretty impressive. Push sales up 2.7%. So retail sales numbers up 2.7%. Now, there's a couple other components other than just autos, as well as you could imagine. If you exclude autos, sales were up 1.1%, which, believe it or not, is still a pretty good number. So if you exclude auto dealers, building materials, and gasoline stations, like, for instance, we pay more at the pump because the, the gas price goes up, but it, it, it's retail sales number, right? So if you exclude all of them, it's the first month-over-month increase in five months. So ultimately, the trend in sales 
It's used to ultimately do projections on the consumption components of GDP. So we like what we see here, and it, 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 it endorses we're not dead. The recession's not killing people. We're not going into a Great Depression. Mom and pa aren't going to lose the farm. So that's what we see in the retail sales numbers today. Now, in the stock market, see, now, in, interesting note, retail sales are good today. Go back six months to March, and the market puts in a bottom, and it has its fastest 50% rise in 26 weeks since 1975. Interesting, right? So this is the fastest 50% rise in a long, 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 long time. But again, that's the beauty of Wall Street. It's a discounting mechanism. Now, the velocity of the move has left a lot of people like myself going, hey, aren't we due for a correction? It's inevitable. Or you might have heard Mike Tyson once talk about not being able to eat something because it's inevitable. It's inevitable. So the velocity of the move up typically creates what are called rich valuations. Now, the S&P 500 now is at the most expensive level since 2004. Now, where were you in 2004? Okay, so it's not that long ago, right? But again, it shows you that we're starting to, to stretch our valuations. We're willing to pay 17 times earnings for something, 18 times earnings for something, 19 times earnings for something. A couple months ago, we were saying, let's pay 13 times, no, 12 times, no, 11 times. So now we're starting to stretch it. Now what's confusing or what's, what's puzzling is we're not really seeing in-demand really percolate until today in these retail sales numbers. And unemployment's still very, very high. And unemployment benefits are starting to fall off for people, so they're truly hitting desperate times. Now, again, 10% unemployment still means we've got 90% employment. Now, also, you can, oh, God, I, I can't tell you how many emails I get from people. I got an email today from someone that talks about being $75,000 in credit card debt. Can you imagine? That's like a whole year's of work on credit card debt. That's a lot of money. And that's going to take five-plus years minimum to pay down, if ever. Once you start getting into that level, you ain't coming back. Anyway, sobering reminder of the financial meltdown is out there today. Citigroup, they're considering how to sell the government's 34% stake in the bank that could include an equity sale. I like Citigroup as a trash, distressed company. I don't like AIG. I don't like Fannie Mae. I don't like Freddie Mac. I don't like MBIA. There's a couple that I just don't like because the government owns over 80% of them. Now, Citigroup, the government owns 34%. That's a pretty large chunk. Now, I don't mind Wells Fargo, Bank of America, Goldman Sachs, J.P. Morgan, These are all banks that survived, and ultimately the pie, the number of people playing in the world of banks today is smaller than it was three years ago. Now, when we get back to a normal economy, which is going to be a long time away, they're the players. you got to own banks. Banks are real critical to own. Now, I'm going to stretch it and go as far as I think you can own Citigroup. Now, understand that there's going to be some short-term pain. So don't call me up moaning and groaning, saying, I bought Citigroup, it's down 20%. Only buy Citigroup if you can buy another chunk of it, if it does go down. Sobering reminder out there, again, is Citigroup saying that we've got to figure out what we're going to do with this government stake. Now, Capital One, they're in the news today. They reported a much higher than expected delinquency rate. So we're out of jobs, right? Unemployment's high. And Capital One saying that the delinquency rate on credit cards now, 5.09%. Now, a lot of people... You included, I know you, 
You moaned and groaned like, Ugh, I've got great credit and the credit card companies raising my rates. Well, they're raising your rates because your friend is failing. Your buddy next to you is failing. So 5.09% delinquency rate now on credit. And again, it's hard out there. And I know. And I don't try to play both sides of the fence. On one hand, I'm the man of the people. I'm the Jay Leno of finance. I'm the man of the people. Jay Leno, not funny, by the way. His show was awful last night. Awful. I don't even know why I put myself through that. Anyway, uh, UBS and Piper Jaffray today are raising their ratings on eBay. So a little tech love out going on out there. Jeffries is raising Novartis to buy on a culmination of a safe haven status, positive catalyst, and underlying growth. Bernstein, big investment research house, they're upgrading Yahoo, basically saying the company's undervalued. And they're also selling off parts of their basically Yahoo Asia play called Alibaba. I know you're saying, if I were in Asia and I wanted to use Yahoo, I'd go to something called Alibaba. Kind of. Yeah, that's, that's kind of how it works. So they're selling off some of their, their international components. So they raise money. Just general corporate purposes. Best buys in the news today. They came out with pretty bad numbers for this quarter, but they said the future looks bright. Stocks falling today on the news. So commodities are higher today as well. Dollar is an interesting story at this point in time. Everyone knows the dollar is going to lower. Everyone knows it's going to be devalued. You could turn on this radio show. You can turn on another radio show, a TV show, and people will say, Obama's spending too much money, and he's printing money like it's going out of business. The dollar's going lower. Now, interesting to note about that is the dollar's rallying today on good economic news, which has been unheard of lately. So I'm starting to get a little bit more bullish on the dollar In large part, everyone wants the bottom. Everyone says it's going lower, it's going lower, it's going lower. And bottoms are made when there's a overwhelmingly people are positioned for continuation lower. And that's when they get hosed. It's like when conventional wisdom, as soon as you know, I should buy, you know, bank stocks because they're at a dollar. Well, they'll go to 50 cents. When conventional wisdom hits Wall Street, it's going to hurt you. Now, if you believe central banks are not going to waver in their use of the dollar as a reserve currency... I think we've hit the low on the dollar or pretty darn close. So I would say be very careful on agricultural commodities right now. We're not seeing real in-demand in the retail sales numbers. And you can short agricultural commodities because they've gone higher on the weak dollar play. Hmm. I don't know if that's a smart idea for you or a bad idea. Let's talk a little bit about – here's something that creeped across the wire today that I found – Interesting, because I don't know much about this yet. And here's how I work. I give you the honest, true approach to everything I see financially. If you listen to the show, I'm going to give you an honest, true approach to how big money thinks about money. So today I saw a story creep across that said, um, the Dow Jones real estate ETF, the iShares, it's ticking higher today. In large part, there's a headline saying that the CRE taxes, commercial real estate taxes, the Treasury's going to ease commercial real estate taxes. So there's going to be a new tax rule for commercial real estate aimed at easing the crisis. Rules are going to take effect September 16th. Now, you know, in the last couple of weeks, last couple of months, we've heard about commercial loans. They're starting to sour for big banks. So what are we going to do? We're going to change the way they can write off their debt. We're going to change something along those lines. I don't know what this new tax rule is, 
But Wall Street's starting to figure it out before I am. I'm going to figure it out by the end of the day. That's my goal. So because a new tax law could be a game changer. A new tax law could say, ladies and gentlemen, you know, yesterday I said buy some utility stocks. Tomorrow, when I understand this new tax law, I can go, ladies and gentlemen, buy some commercial real estate investments. It's a game changer. If they're able to change what they're able to write off as losses, if they're able to change uh, values, if they're able to refinance at lower levels, holy mackerel, they can make a lot more money. So I'm going to learn that for you. Ben Bernanke's out there today, and he's going, yay, ding dong, the witch is dead, the wicked witch, the mean old witch. The recession's over. Don't you feel good? Well, not really. So we as a nation, and this is why I hate doing television news and why I love doing radio news. On the television, there was a point in time where I basically almost got fired because my program director, uh, my news director, would say, Dow's at 12,000. Do a big story on Dow at 12,000. I'm like, who owns the Dow? Like it's it's a it's a number. Who cares? Then it was Dow at thirteen thousand. Dow at thirteen thousand. Who owns the Dow? I'd say and do a big story. Do a big story. Dow at fourteen thousand. I was like, and they happened faster and faster and faster. And there was a momentum going on there. Whereas the true thing was is the overall markets were rapidly growing and a lot of money was chasing it. That was a better story. But he wouldn't let me do that story. He wanted to do the big round number story. So anyway, um, same thing with the recession. It was a big story. Like uh, news anchors sometimes they're pretty bright. Sometimes they're not so bright, but, you know, global recession around the corner. What's it mean to you? You know, that's tonight at 11, tonight at 11, global recession right here, right now. I get you. So the media would push real, real hard. And you know what? Our parents went through a recession every four years. It was a pretty normal economic cycle thing. We went through the 90s where we didn't really have a recession. We had one in 89, 92 time frame. And then 2001, we had a teeny, teeny, tiny little, 2001, 2002, teeny, tiny little recession. But that was after all those glory years in the 90s. So we're like, ah, that's okay. We'll, we'll live with it. This is a big recession. Ben Bernanke says it's over. I want to see the jobs before I believe it. You're listening to 910 AM, talk910.com. I'm going to jump online, talk910.com. I'm going to get on the blog and interact with you. You can call the show 800-345-5639. It's 800-345-5639. It's the Rob Black Show. More stimulating talk. like the wind through my tree she rides the night next to I remember me. seeing dirty dancing and going man this film's overrated but also I remember going jeez these people can dance the scene where he lifts baby over his head I wish I could do that every guy wishes they could do that we wish we could lift a woman beautifully over our head it ain't going to happen for 99.9% of us. So there he is, dead, Patrick Swayze. What can I say about it that ties it back to money? Not damn much. I wish I could. Um, what I can tell you is he died. He had cancer. You're going to die. And it probably will be from something like a cancer down the road. Why do I go as far as to say that? Because you need to have a will. You need to have a trust. You need to know that you are going to die. Patrick Swayze, he was a masculine grace, is what I would refer to him as. Two movies really defined him, right? Dirty Dancing and Ghost. He died in Los Angeles, I believe it was yesterday, last night. Um, Interesting to note that when he got cancer, he kind of said, you know, let's go on with this and and let's get in front of the camera. He shot the TV show The Beast, 13 episodes. He did it with no painkillers to show, you know, the edge of cancer. Now, 
in what I would refer to as truly tacky. Demi Moore, who pay, played uh, Swayze's fiance in Ghost, fantastic movie, fun movie. It was a, it was, uh, it was an original movie, right? For a lot of us, it was fairly original. Probably seen it before in some way, shape, or form, but ultimately, um, it was something that we remember in our lives. She texted, she tweeted, "We are now tweeting over the death of people. We we don't even have the uh, the let's." Issue a press release. She tweeted, Patrick, you are loved by so many and your light will shine forever. And her husband, Ashton Kutcher, who I still don't believe they're actually married. He tweeted, R.I.P. P. Swayze. So we're now tweeting for dead people. I don't know. What's our society come to? So anyway, uh, back to Swayze. He did the coming of age romance. He did the sexy, uh, sexy, sexy ghost with Demi Moore. He did the awful movie Roadhouse. Awful, awful movie. Can't say anything positive about that movie. Um, Ghost clearly is breakthrough uh, moment. Now, he started almost making parodies of himself when he did Point Break in 1991. He played a leader of a bank of uh, bank robbing surfers. So he's been around, right? In 1991, he was America's sexiest man, according to People magazine. Now, stop telling me names of movies. If you want to come in and get on microphone, you can come in and get on microphone. Jen, my producer, is being annoying as hell. Uh, He was in Red Dawn. He was in Outsiders. He was in, okay, enough. We know that he did a lot of movies. He was also in Donnie Darko. Um, in 1991, he was America's sexiest man. 18 years later, cancer has eaten him up. Do you feel a little less strong these days? I do. So I'm not going to go as far as say he's my Elvis, because he's not my Elvis. It's not a Kurt Cobain moment in our life to see him die. You know, Kurt Cobain was influential. Kurt Cobain was a lot of things. It's interesting, again, to note that when he got con- when he got cancer, he contacted Congress. He p- wrote an article in the Washington Post. He said, I'm battling cancer. How about some help, Congress? He urged senators and representatives to vote for maximum funding for the National Institute of Health to fight cancer as part of the economic stimulus package. So I, I guess if you're going to go down, go down doing some good. And uh, just every one of us should know. 1991, America's sexiest man. 18 years later, dead of cancer. It's quick how fast things change, right? It's not a long time. It's not a long time in any way, shape, or form. So anyway, what can I say? Should I just cut and run? Or should I name every movie he's been in? I'm just going to again say, I wish I could dance like him. And what was his, his famous line? Does anyone remember? Does anyone remember from... Nobody puts baby in the corner. There you go. Nobody puts baby in the corner. How's that for great radio production? I'm going to win an Emmy. Do they give Emmys for radio? Probably not. I'm going to win a Grammy. Do they give Grammys for radio? Eh, maybe I'm not going to win that either. So let's talk. Uh, let's stay in the world of L.A. So Patrick Swayze, L.A. actor. Let's stay in L.A. Wells Fargo executive. Parties in a foreclosed Malibu beach house. Now, this is interesting because I'm trying to find topical stories that are enlightening and entertaining, but dealing with finance for you. Wells Fargo executive who oversees foreclosed properties, hosted parties, and spent big long summer weekends in a $12 million Malibu beach house, moving into the home just after it was surrendered to Wells Fargo. Now, this is a vice president at Wells Fargo. Now, the person who lost this $12 million house was partially lost it because they took on too much debt, but then they got screwed over by Bernie Madoff. So whether right or wrong, you know, it is what it is. The woman named Sharonda Guyton, she's a senior vice president responsible for foreclosed commercial properties, took up residence in the property. 
So she'd bring her husband, she'd bring her two children, she'd host these huge parties in a foreclosed home. And interesting, like real estate agents wanted to sell the home, but she was like, no, it's not open right now. So they kind of predatory prayed and made it her own, so to speak. I admire her on that level because that takes some audacious gall and balls. Um, So I give her a big thumbs up for, boy, do you have some cojones on you. But even more important, I saw, and this is the lesson that I want to get across, I was at a webpage. I was at the LA Times. And you know how you can read a news story and at the bottom it, it, it lets you give feedback? And someone goes, someone's so high up in the company, clearly they will fire a secretary for not having the right pen on her desk. And this person can get away with that? Well, first, that's the lesson I want to get to you. When you hear the word vice president, it means nothing. Nothing, not a nothing. If you work with a stockbroker who's a vice president at Citigroup or a vice president at Lehman Brothers or a vice president at Bank of America, it means nothing. It's a title. It's a business card. Typically in the world of finance, you're called a vice president for just coming to the firm. You're 21 years old and you're a vice president. It's not like vice president of the United States. It's not like if the president of the company gets shot, you're going to take over the company. It's just a damn title to fool dumb people like you. Yeah, she got fired. So, um, God, my producers, would you come on radio? Would you come on mic? They talk to me in my ear. It's annoying. So Heidi goes, so did she get fired? Yeah, of course she got fired. She got uh, figured out that she was doing this and she got let go. So anyway, I thought it was a good story, only in the sense that the person on the blog or the person at the news site said, someone's so high up, a vice president. I hope you learned something. That's the goal of this show. Patrick Swayze, dead Wells Fargo executive parties on, but loses her job. That's going to be a tough uh, resume. How did you lose your last job? Oh, I partied at a foreclosed home. That's probably one you probably want to leave off the resume. Speaking of resumes, we're going to do a show on jobs on Friday, I believe. And next Tuesday, we're going to do a special show as well. And uh, I'll give you more details on all this stuff as the show develops develops, and uh, I get a little bit more. 800-345-5639 to get your calls in the air. It's 800-345-5639. Oh, I know what the show on Tuesday is going to be about. Divorce. Love and money. Hmm. Show's not going so good today. 800-345-5639 to get your calls in the air. It's 800-345-5639. Talk910.com. I'm going to jump on the blog. I'll interact with my peeps. Talk910.com. You're listening to 910 AM. More stimulating talk. You're listening to Rob Black, 910 AM, more stimulating talk. Rob Black Show, I'm Rob Black. You can follow along on the live blog at talk910.com. You're listening to 910 AM, 800-345-5639 to get your calls in the air. It's 800-345-5639. Let's pull in CFP Chad Burton. Chad Burton, how are you? Excellent, Rob. How are you? Good. Now, lots of stories to choose from today. You got Patrick Swayze dead at 57. 1991, America's sexiest man, 18 years later, dead. Or, Or you can go Prince gets access to family dollars. And when I say Prince, I'm not talking about the singer. I'm talking about Prince Harry turning 25. Yeah, I know. And, and in a state worth about $22 million, I was actually expecting more money than that in that estate, wouldn't you? I don't know. Prince's die? I don't know. Wasn't she a 
just a, a frumpy babysitter before she met the, the king. <laughs> that's true. I guess that's her ass, huh? I, I don't know. So she was kind of yeah. frumpy when they first met, right? I think so. I she think turned so. into kind of like something, but I don't know. I never had the hots for Princess Diana. Do you? No, I mean, she could look good at, the, at certain times, but I mean, come on, her hubby. He looks like the guy off Mad Magazine. Give me a break. True enough. True enough. So anyway, Prince William turns 25 and he gets the ability to get into the income of the trust. He has to wait till he's 30 until he gets the assets of the trust. Um, is that a pretty good idea? Uh, is that a good way to leave money to kids? Wait till they're 25? Yeah, but um, I would spread it out even longer than 30 before they can gain access to the capital. Um, you know, in my trust for my kids, if I pass away and my business and life insurance goes into a trust for them, they actually don't get, um, you know, full access to the money until they're 65 and they get, you know, basically enough to maintain their lifestyle. They can go to college. They can take one trip, um, a year off, take a trip. They can, you know, get funded to start a business. The trust will match them dollar for dollar if they put money into a retirement account, so it makes them want to learn to invest and everything else. But listen to this, Rob. I was kind of just looking at the numbers real quick. Um, if if uh, Prince Harry's half is, uh, you know, eleven million bucks, sure, right? Yeah. That would support about three hundred thousand dollars a year um, for the rest of his life, and that would be adjusted for inflation. So it's three hundred thousand dollars a year going up at three percent, three and a half percent a year for the rest of his life. That doesn't sound like much. It, well, not for a prince, right? I mean, I think that they would be capable of spending that pretty quickly. Okay. So really, for the first several years, I mean, I would say for the first 10 years, they should not be spending any of the principal at all anyways. Um, and that's what can happen. When you leave money to a child, let's say it's even a million bucks, they, they look at that and say, wow, I'm a millionaire. I don't have to go to work. Well, I mean, you're going to need about $3 million bucks to just support you know, $100,000 a year from the time somebody's like 30 on to, to be able to... Um, you know, maintain lifestyle. So when you leave money to kids because they have so many years of inflation and healthcare costs and everything else, the lump sum really isn't that big. So you really do have to spread it out in a trust like this. Heard you wrecked your boat this weekend. Were you drinking? Uh, no, not yet. It actually happened right away. Uh, really nice. Yeah, really nice. I went Did you to flip it? What's that? Did you flip it? No, I wish, you know, I, I actually... Was there an explosion? Left it, left it overnight and went camping because I was hoping it would sink. <laughs> what happened? So, you just bottomed it out? Yeah, I was going through a part of a river that I usually don't go to on at that time of the year. I thought I was in the channel. I was about over about 15 feet and hit a rock shelf. It took off uh, two skags, my rudder, and just destroyed my prop and a um, little bit of hole in the fiberglass. And I mean, boats right now, Rob, with, with you know, so many people were buying boats last year and the year before. Yeah. Um, I mean, now you can get what would be, what would have been last year, like a $75,000, just top the line wakeboarding boat. You can get them for thirty, forty thousand dollars at an auction. So, I mean, basically boats you know, have dropped in value by about 50%. Bad investments, Bad investments right? Oh yeah. Well, they're awful investments. I mean, they're, they're definitely very expensive, but I mean, for us, we use it, you know, two or three nights a week and on the weekends during the summer and, the, um, even the first part of spring. But, uh, so they're great for family memories, but yeah, very, very expensive. And then as I was le- left it there floating and anchored when I went to go camping overnight, uh, I was hoping it was it would sink just because they could, uh, you know, I, I, just pay the thing off and I'll go get something better and cheaper. But it didn't happen. But it got me thinking about gap insurance. Do you have that? Um, I do not. I don't have a boat. Well, uh, you might need it on a car, too, because, you know, cars have dropped in value so much. Yeah. 
you know, you've seen what I drive. I drive a hoopty with big yep. rims. Yep, so, the spinners. Spinners and all the chicks dig it. You could take a hand off with those spinners. You got to be careful around kids. Do you need me to sink your boat? Because I'll gladly do it for you. <laughs> There's been a lot of that going on, but I think what what some people have been caught with is um, gap insurance is common on cars. Like, so if you wreck a car and you total it, and let's say you owe twenty five thousand on it, but the insurance company it says it's only worth twenty, right? Then you got to come up with the five grand to pay off the bank. Yeah, I've, I've um, had a lot of that happened to me once. Ugh, yeah, it's it's brutal. A lot of banks, you know, require that now. But the same thing happens on a boat. People weren't thinking about it as much on boats because I don't think anybody expected boats to fall in value that much. But uh, you know, really anything, any kind of motorized vehicle that you have, if it's tanked in value because of the economy and because of you know uh, cash for clunkers and all that stuff, if, if it gets wrecked, you got to look at the value of it, what it says by the insurance company, what you owe on it. And you may need to get some gap insurance. Someone on the live blog just said. You know, Rob, what would be cool if you had a Rob's Rules? And I think that's lame because Susie Orman's got the, the Susie Says thing. And then Rick Edelman's got the new rules about money, right? Well, no, I just, I think, I, don't, I hate idea people. Well, people, that's what you should stick with is the hate angle, the Rob Black hate. Yeah. Well, I, I hate well. idea people. You know, people like, oh, Rob, you should do this. And, oh, Rob, you should well, get your own damn radio show and, and do it yourself. <laughs> Because radio pays so well, right? <laughs> Not really. <laughs> um, okay, so get gap insurance to cover big expense. But Chad, you're giving bad advice. Don't buy a twenty-five. Th- don't buy an expensive car. Buy a cheap car. Oh well, yeah, sure. I mean, it's you know, and buy buy used when you can. Um, there's some good deals on used cars and things like that. But even then, I mean, no matter what, you drive it off, whether it's a used car lot or anything. I mean, typically two years later, your car's upside down in value. I mean, it's just the way that autos work. I mean, they depreciate so quickly, especially with new technology coming out. Nobody wants the older cars. Speaking of which, so, um, you got to be careful, dude, because uh, if your wife tells you to get a motorcycle, don't do it. You are you're <laughs> the world's unluckiest man. You've wrecked like you've had three cars totaled in the last five years, right? Yeah, don't tell my insurance company; they haven't figured it out yet. <laughs> and you, and you've, you've killed a boat, so don't get on, <laughs> don't get on a motorcycle. Oh man, I wish the boat was killed, but I think it's just going to be like you know. About three grand in damages, so no. I'll have to claim that on insurance too. I think in California, we're we're famous for wildfires that burn down lots and lots of property and houses. Um, what type of insurance do you have in case your house burns down, Chad? Well, you got to look at your replacement value. So um, the when you buy insurance, there you're basically insuring the structure on the property, and if you've been there for a long, long time. Your replacement value on your insurance policy could be too low. So um, if you you know lived in your home for you know, over three years, you might need to update the value of what the replacement cost is and then also update all of the, you know, what are your valuables worth inside the house? And do you have anything that's real expensive, like a painting or anything like that, that you need, um, you know, some extra coverage on? And then, then what you need to do is you also need proof of what you own inside your house. So it's a good idea to, you know, take a video or several pictures of what you own that, you know, super fancy, super expensive, and put it into a fireproof safe or safe deposit box where somebody else besides you knows where the key is. Digitize it and upload it to Google. There, there you go. That's what I do. So, yep. Um, got an email from someone, on the, actually from the live blog. Can you talk about how to create and manage a balanced portfolio? You know, and then they referred to the big crash last year. And I liked the big crash, Chad, because I was able to buy more assets at lower prices. But that's neither here nor there. Can you talk about a structured portfolio? Yeah. I mean, when, you, when you're dealing with a balanced portfolio, 
So you're going to have, you know, something like around 30, 35% in large cap. You're going to have, you know, five, 10% mid cap, five, 10% small, I get, you know, 15% international and, and then the rest in bonds. So as you're building a balanced portfolio, when you're younger, if you're in your thirties, you know, I would kind of ignore the bonds, uh, build up the large, you know, the small cap, mid cap, large cap and international side until you get into your forties. And then you can start adding to balanced funds. Or if you look inside your 401k and they have the lifestyle funds, like the lifestyle 2040, it's a balanced fund. It's aggressive when you're young and it becomes more conservative and more into bonds when you're older. So um, if you're going to do it um, with individual funds, I would start off by going with like a Vanguard total stock market index and a Vanguard total bond um, and go something like 70-30 until you build up your first, you know, $25,000 to $50,000. And then you can go shopping for individual funds to kind of mirror that on your own. Can we Indian leg wrestle? Because I want you to up the international to more than 15%. Trust me, I think it'll be more like 30 to 40% of portfolios in about five years because um, unless something drastically changes with small businesses in America, I think we're in for a slow growth, you know, five to 10 years where we're seeing much quicker growth in, you know, India, China, Brazil, uh, Korea, and other places like that. And so right now, a lot of the companies that I'm investing in in the U.S. have, you know, 65% plus of their revenue coming from outside of the U.S. So it's a pretty internationally based revenue portfolio anyway. You wrote something kind of interesting. Um, Buddy is getting married and thought he is real smart to have Sugar Booger buy her first home before the big day. Yeah, I've got a good friend who's getting married on Saturday, and I'm going to have to actually crush him after I get off the phone because he was sending an email back and forth. Um, and he, he's like, he was bragging. He goes, yeah, I'm so glad I got my... Um, uh, her name is Malika to get uh, to buy her first home so she could get the first time home buyer's credit. He just did his, so he got his first time home buyer's credit. They're going to move into his house after they get married, and he doesn't realize yet that because she's going to change the place that she just bought from a primary residence into a rental property before three years is up, she's going to have to pay back that tax credit that she received. I think she got about $4,200. She's going to have to pay that back in. Uh, 2010, the date that she turns it into a rental property. Yeah, don't don't tell him. Wait, wait, wait for the divorce and then tell him. <laughs> wait till the divorce or the audit. Hey, it's coming. They're getting married yeah. on Saturday. They'll be divorced within three years. Statistics say. Um, yeah. What else do we need to know, Chad? You know, if you're, you know, the wildfires were also obviously in the news the last week or two, and, and people start thinking about their replacement value, their coverage, and things like that. If you've got a home out in, you know, Santa Cruz Hills and other places like that, that you know, very, very expensive, you're a very wealthy person. Um, you could look to other types of insurance companies, more like Chubb. That I mean, there's there's certain things, Rob, that the wealthy do where they'll have people fly in and gel coat their house with flame retardant. And then if, if it does burn down, they'll replace everything to the T, even if it's a creak in the stairs uh, or a crick, uh, you know, a squeak in the stairs that you want to have replaced. Chubb will get that done. So, the, the, the ladies, as I referred to them, the producer and board op, Jen and Heidi, they think they're funny, Chad. They put up a poll question that says, do you think Chad's a douche because he owns a boat? And <laughs> <laughs> let's just say the audience at 910KDW, 40% think you're a douche. Thirty percent love the open water, yeah, with the exception of Chad. So I don't know what that means. Do you think pe- boat people suck? Is what is the whole point? So there you go. You're I a boat like person. Of, I, I do like lots of bikinis on my boat, so I guess I'm kind of a douche when it comes to my boat. Okay, I think that actually is a douchey <laughs> thing, to be quite honest with you. Um, I'll, I'll send some pictures to uh, Heidi to post on the on the 
radio site, all right? Can, can you can you send pictures of the sunk boat? Yeah, it didn't sink. That's the problem. Well, yeah. show show the damage. Give us something to look at and, and laugh and say, that's how the wealthy live. <laughs> <laughs> okay, I will. So uh, thanks very much. It's Chad Burton. You can find him online at chadburton.com, chadburton.com. He's going to be in uh, the area doing some seminars with me, a uh, retirement seminar, not this Thursday, but the following Thursday, Thursday, September 24th in Foster City, Crown Plaza. Uh, that following Saturday, so we're doing three events. Saturday, we're doing two events. Thursday, we're doing one. Saturday, we're going to be in Pleasanton, uh, Sheraton Pleasanton Hotel. We're going to do a Money 101. These events are, are divided into two areas, how to create wealth. That's the Money 101, and how to manage and protect wealth. That's the Retirement Boot Camp. So doing three events, um, Pleasanton and Foster City, you can find out more at robblack.com, robblack.com. You're listening to 910 AM. Talk910.com is the online site where you can vote on Is Chad a Douche for Owning a Boat? More stimulating talk. I'm Rob Black. 910 AM. More stimulating talk. Talking all things financial, stimulating financial talk, titillating financial talk. You know what I'm saying? The word stimulating and titillating should only be used for one thing, and that's to discuss certified financial plan. Certified financial planner Chad Burton. Chad, you're back. I am back. They brought me back. Yeah, people want you. I've got nothing for you though, so I don't know what I'm going to say. I got some stuff for you. Um, okay, good. <laughs> George sends an email. And again, here's an, a situation where people are just thinking too much. He says, I've been thinking about the U.S. jobless recovery. If retirement rates increase for the next five years, uh, my fellow baby boomers choose retirement. That will allow the younger folks to get good jobs, assuming our jobs don't go away. Baby boomers will go from putting money into a 401k to taking it out. We'll pull money out of the Roth. We'll buy RVs and stuff like that. That'll put younger folks back to work. I'm not saying anything against what you're saying. I just have not heard anyone else mention the positive effect of people retiring. Seems to me that this needs to be factored in. Could George be the dumbest email you've ever read? No, no. Do you think I retirees think help dumber. the economy? You think what? You think retirees help the economy? Um, you know, I think maybe they help the economy the first five years of retirement. But after that, you know, spending slows, um, inflationary spending really slow. So in other words, when you first retire, um, after the first five or 10 years, once you've done a lot of your vacationing and, and bought your RV and your second home and things like that, your spending except for healthcare tends to kind of flatline. You know, the, the big one, Harry Denton Jr. is always out there, this guy saying that, oh my gosh, you know, at a certain point, all the retirees are going to pull their money out of the stock market. And it's going to crash. I think that's also ridiculous. I, think, I don't think people are retiring with enough money these days to not be able to own stocks. Stocks is really your only way to fight inflation in the long run. guy named Andreas on the live blog says, uh, now keep in mind, this is the live blog that 40% of people think you're a douche because you own a boat. But Andreas <laughs> says, I know you're not a tax guy. Maybe you can give me some ideas on some options. Started mm-hmm. a company two years ago. He's 50% vested, 10,000 shares. Um, one year cliff, money vesting thereafter. I think the company will do well. Our numbers are strong. Uh, how would you go about capital gains versus income taxes? How would you treat create? Uh, how would you treat options in someone's um, retirement plan? 
Well, the first one, I think this guy needs to go find out what types of options that he has. He's either going to have non-qualified stock options or incentive stock options, and they're both a little bit different on the way that they're taxed. Incentive stock options, you can uh, you can get a bit of a tax break if you exercise and hold them and, and hold them for at least two years from the date um, before you sell. You can get a better capital gain situation. But um, the initial exercise can be subject to alternative minimum tax. Um, so he needs to, if this is a private company, he needs to find out, is there an 83B election, which can you know, give you some tax breaks? Are these incentive stock options? Are these non-qualified stock options? And then basically sit down with his advisor and his CPA and run some models to see how much he should do now versus later. Okay, some more um, emails and things along those lines. This person has a 75-year-old dad. And he sold a house in San Jose in 2005. The buyer owes $50,000 for many years now. A loan agreement was signed, is notarized. The buyer uh, is basically going into bankruptcy. So the dude sells his house, and for some reason, he gives the guy a loan when he sells his house. And now the dude is going bankrupt, so the guy's dad's out $50,000. Do you sue in that scenario, Chad? Do you say, well, bankruptcy is going to wipe out that debt, so you're screwed? Uh do you 1099 the person? What do you do if you have a, a deal go bad in a scenario like that? Well, you can take a bad debt write-off. I mean, if you're going to sue when the guy's in bankruptcy, I don't think it's going to do you much good. Um, you know, stay away from these types of things. I mean, that's really all you can say. The guy's probably going to get a write-off from it, and that's about it. So I guess the lesson is, Chad, is don't do loans with family members. Don't Never. do loans with friends. Don't do loans with non-friends. Um, you're not in the business of lending money. Make them go get their own damn money and give it to you. Right. I mean, there's a reason, especially if, you know, this loan was probably done even when credit was still easy to get. When credit was easy, still, you know, easy to get and the person couldn't get it, there's obviously something wrong there. Um, or if they're willing to pay you 8 9 10% on a loan, you know that their credit's so bad. Um, and, and there's a reason why their credit's bad. It's not just from one thing. Typically, it's a combination of things. So steer clear of that. There's ways that wealthy people to try to avoid estate taxes do some loans to kids and then forgive the payments in the form of a gift to try to transfer assets over, and that can be done. But do it with an attorney. Make sure it's legit and on paper so you can do the you know tax deduction, and uh, and make sure there's there's understanding with the kids that if you don't pay, we're taking this place back. Now you've heard that Red Dawn is being remade, one of Patrick Swayze's greatest films of all time. Sweet Wolverines. Now, um, Point Break Roadhouse, do you have a favorite between those two classics? Um, I'd say Point Break because of the surfing, but I, I'm not a big fan of Keanu Reeves. We're talking Patrick Swayze here, but you're going you're gonna, to punch but I mean, out Point I think Break because Keanu, Keanu Reeves can kind of ruin a movie. But <laughs> I think one day we're going to appreciate Keanu Reeves for his understated acting ability. He, he underplays. <laughs> I I don't think anybody disagrees that it's understated. I don't know. Same character in every movie. Probably his greatest film was Bill and Ted's Great Adventure. I think so. That was the most acting that he did. That movie was actually shopped around for 10 years in Hollywood. It was such a hot product. Um, And then ultimately when it got made, it really wasn't anywhere near what it was supposed to uh, look like originally. They should remake that movie too. Same (laughs) time as Red Dawn. Let's just go with Wolverines for now. Red Dawn. I, that's all I got. So, Have you heard of who's going to be in it? When, when is this going to happen? Dude, I'm not your personal Google. Go Google it yourself. Google <laughs> Red Dawn Remake. You'll learn all about it. 
right. Um, it's Chad Burton. He's a certified financial planner. You can find him at chadburton.com. And again, we're doing some events together to raise money for charity in Foster City as well as Pleasanton. You can find out more about those at robblack.com. Three-star general Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal records of the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn. Deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com. salemnow.com.